Hey everyone, it's James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker, and welcome to my podcast. Nearly 30,000 followers on my social media channels, 21,600 at Notorious Banker on TikTok, 3,300 plus at Bank Better Guy on Twitter, and 4,200 plus at Notorious Banker on Instagram. I am the author of High Risk Transaction, the Ryan Coogler Bank of America incident, now available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback format, and I will release um, a book about Zell, as yet to be titled, I'm trying to figure that out coming very very soon guys thank you so much for the love and support i really do appreciate it and thank you for listening to this podcast once again so a lot going on in the banking world there's there's a lot of talk especially with one of the most famous people in the world one of the richest people in the world getting debanked by jp morgan chase and i was going to do an emergency podcast about it last wednesday i was at a volleyball game whenever it happened and you know, I thought about doing it, getting ahead of it. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, do I really want to talk about this immediately and be at the forefront of something that is kind of a bummer of a situation, no matter how you look at it? And, of course, I got to talk about it because it is a podcast about banking. And, like I said, one of the most famous people in the world just got unbanked by Chase. So, we are going to talk about Kanye West in the first segment of this podcast, but. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I take no sides in this um, because the things that he said are just deplorable. It's horrible. It's stuff that you don't want to hear. And, you know, being a person of color myself, you know, I've never been called a racial slur. And I, I know it's 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 weird to, to say I'm a 40-year-old Mexican-American man, but I haven't. And I can only imagine how that feels. But to have these type of comments out there in the media is something that I just don't want to be a part of. Um, I've mentioned to you in this podcast a couple years ago when the 2020 election was going on, I just got too involved in paying attention to it, that it physically got me ill, and I just don't want to feel that way again. And, you know, talking about these things really does not tickle my fancy, but it is newsworthy, and I do have to talk about it. So, you know, I'm mainly going to talk about the news story that dropped last week when it happened, the letter that Kanye was sent by JP Morgan Chase and and basically and and I don't know how to word this but I'm going to just say the hypocrisy of the people who side with Kanye West and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way just saying you know fuck all those people I I, I don't want to say it that way but I always find it fascinating that you know the work that I do the advocacy that I do is is you know falling on deaf ears for a lot of people until it happens to them because whenever i say hey this homeless person got unbanked or this person of color got unbanked or this person of color didn't get their home loan because of all this bullshit that banks are doing you know people are say well you know they probably had bad credit and woke bank of america and woke wells fargo will do this it's it's stupid it's ridiculous but then whenever it, the same shit happens to people who feel that way about the homeless person or people of color then you get the people going, oh, wait a second, these are communist banks. and No, they are consistent with how they treat people like shit. If, you, if you're treated like shit, you should feel just as bad as the person who may not agree with you, who may not look like you, being treated like shit too. It is not a problem that has a side. It is an over-encompassing problem for a lot of things going on. So um, I want to talk about that. And then the second segment, we're going to talk about security at banks. Um, we're talking B of A here again, of course. There were two incidents that happened in the last two days that I want to talk about. An ATM was nearly blown up in Palmdale, California. I laugh because the people failed miserably at it. It did not work. You know, they, they use explosives. ATM didn't budge. They left without money, and they, they were out a lot of money with explosive materials. Then the second part was there was a, um, a person shot. Uh, from an armored car company yesterday at another Bank of America in California. And, you know, I think with the push to ATMs, the push to digital, it seems like when banks are cutting the cord with in-person transactions, you know, they're relying and investing heavily or so we think with ATMs and, you know, getting those things maintained and online banking, making sure that the online banking is secure. But, and this is a huge but, do I really feel that that's happening? Do I really feel more secure at a bank if I go outside at the ATM? No, because there's not as many cameras. There's not as many witnesses. 
and there's more potential for harm to happen because of how few people are witnessing my interaction. And as pro-bank branch as I can be, even though I don't want to step foot in a bank branch ever again, I really do feel that um, customers are being put in danger with decisions made by big banks. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Kanye reluctantly um, after this. So please stick around. Baca, known professionally as a Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on TikTok. My TikTok channel is at Notorious Banker. Join the more than 20,000 amazing followers on my channel as I talk about bank topics and give you a little humor and information in the meantime. Um, being a 13-year former associate of a bank, I can tell you a lot of stories that happen, and I do tell you a lot of stories that are um, a little weird, a little bizarre, a little vulgar on that TikTok channel and I also give you information about which banks to avoid to talk about bank news of the day and I interact with a lot of people and I answer questions for my followers um, in the comments. It's something that I'm really proud of. We got over half a million likes on this channel already and you know there's there's some videos that have gotten over a million views and I'm really proud of that. It goes to show you that a lot of people love talking about banks, a lot of people love talking about their money and a lot of people love talking about how crappy those banks can be. So follow my TikTok channel at Notorious Banker and join the more than 20,000 followers who already do and have some fun with me, yours truly, the Notorious Banker. Alright, I'm back with more Notorious Banker podcast. So yay, also known as Kanye West. You know, my little nephew says yay instead of yes, like he's a 18th century politician, but you know, yay is a word that makes me smile and then it's a word that just gives me just kind of the heebie-jeebies at the moment all of the comments that kanye west has made um in reference to jewish people and whatnot i you know i don't even want to acknowledge that with a response and i think you know the response is pretty overwhelmingly against those type of comments uh, you know at least we we hope that it is um but you know all I can say is, and speaking from a place of mental illness, you know, depression and whatnot, I can tell that there's just something not right with uh, Mr. West, Mr. Ye, and I really hope he gets the help that he needs, you know, regardless of political affiliation, regardless of who you vote for, who you don't for, vote for, whatever. Um, something is up with him, and I just hope that someone figures that out before it's too late. I'm just saying it that way. Um, but Kanye West was kicked out of J.P. Morgan Chase last week. As I mentioned, I was at a volleyball game. I was just doing my thing over there. Then I saw a TMZ article which referenced Kanye West being banned from Chase. And I knew that it was going to be a huge story no matter what. I mean, you know, you have one of the most famous people in the world, the biggest bank in the world, a conversation that he had a few weeks ago where he said he was going to leave Chase Bank for Bank of America which I don't think has happened yet. And I don't know if Bank of America would necessarily want him, although banks are whores. And of course, they'll want anyone who can make them a lot of money. Um, I was blown away. And I was at the volleyball game creating um, backgrounds for TikTok. I was I was getting ready to do a video, which I did. And I posted it and it got a pretty good response. Um, but I didn't, I didn't want to have that conversation where even though I'm not saying anything one side or the other, there's always going to be some asshole that just takes it to the extreme. And I just don't want to be a part of that. I want to be the one that just gives you the information and you can basically decipher it however you want. Don't lump me into the fact that, oh, I'm going to unfollow you because you said something bad about whatever. I didn't say anything bad and I got like 20 responses that way. And then the other people say, no, you didn't go far enough. And I'm like, well, it's not my place to do that. I'm saying basically he got unbanked uh, for the same reason a homeless person gets unbanked, for the same reason that anyone gets unbanked by these, you know, big corporations. And it's that, you know, risk management made a decision is, you know, do we want to continue with this person? Is it worth our time? Is it worth our money to make money or not make money with this person? And the answer was no. So, you know, he ended up being kicked out of um, Chase Bank uh, effective November 21st this year. And, you know, a lot of people are speculating, was it the comments that he made on Tucker Carlson's Fox News show where he, you know, talked about Jewish people and whatnot? Um, I'm going to lean on a I don't think so. I, I, I know people on one side of things say, oh, of course it was that. 
I've heard some pretty bad shit said to banks where they will just not even acknowledge it and they, you know, will continue to do business with this person for as long as that person wants to do business with them. I'm thinking it had to do more with him um, had a, having a falling out with Gap. Of course, he had a clothing line with Gap. He had this whole affiliation going on there. You know, hundreds of millions of dollars, multi-year deal that he broke um, a couple of months ago. And that's why he was discussing the move from Chase on CNBC whenever that Gap deal ended. And basically, I think that was the reason because whenever you start a partnership like that, there's contracts, there's lines of credit that are tied to you know these affiliations to create product to pay people you know have payroll services and whatnot i think there was so many just roots that were you know growing underneath this tree that is kanye west and they just kind of engorged um, chase bank to the point where chase is like i think these roots are going to suffocate us so i think we should knock the tree down before we get a little you know to pass the point of no return. And I think that's what happened. I think they got to the past point of no return and said, you know what, it's, you know, he's, yeah, he's worth $2 billion or whatever, but he's also flighty. He can also leave us at the drop of a hat. So let's dump him before he dumps us or before he causes a huge financial loss on our end. And that's the way bankers think. That's the way branch bankers think. And that's the way CEOs think. They're like, can I make money with this person and how much of a pain in the ass it's going to be? If the answer is not much and a big pain in the ass, then they're not going to do business with him. So um, another beauty of a person, Candace Owens, and I mean that jokingly. I mean, you know, these people are just ridiculous and frustrating to, to read. And and you know, I know what you're going to say, you know, like, oh, you must be on this side of the aisle or that side of the aisle. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle I'm on. If there was a person from the other side of things talking the way that these people talk on a daily basis, where it's just so stressful and hateful and all that i just don't want to listen to them period but she tweeted um earlier today i learned that kanye west was officially kicked out of jp morgan chase i was told that there was no official reason given but they sent this letter as well to confirm that he has until late november to find another place for the yeezy empire to bank i'm going to read this letter from jp morgan chase bank national association and it says <clears throat> dear ye Oh, by the way, it's interesting that his bank accounts say yay on there, which to me was the funniest part because he actually took the time to do a name change on all of his accounts, signing paperwork, all this bullshit that I used to have to deal with service-wise at Bank of America. It's a pain in the ass to do. Whenever someone would go into the bank and say, oh, I recently got married or I recently got divorced, I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to have to change all these accounts, and it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. So I just found it funny that he took the time to make sure that his name was just yay on his bank accounts um, at the time of closing. Anyway, let me continue on. <clears throat> Dear yay, we are sending this letter to confirm our recent discussion with blank, that's the business account and the business account operator, that J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., the bank, has decided to end its banking relationship with Yeezy LLC and its affiliated entities, parentheses, collectively, the company. To provide the company with sufficient time to transition to another financial institution, we will continue to maintain the, the accounts attached as Exhibit A. There's like a letter that's attached to these things, including all related products and services until November 21st, 2022. To avoid any transaction delays, we suggest that you stop processing company transactions and or using any products associated with the business five business days before the scheduled closure date set forth above. After that date, the bank will close any, opens accounts, any open accounts and after deduction of any permissible service charges and pending transactions, remit all remaining funds in the form of a check delivered to the company at the address of record. We ask that you act promptly. We ask that you act promptly transfer your business to another financial institution. Whoever wrote that, Jesus Christ, before November 21st, 2022, I had to stop because I thought I was making a mistake and no, they were making a mistake. We ask that you promptly transfer business to another financial institution broken english if you have any questions or comments please feel free to contact your usual banking contact people that rich have an assigned banker or two or ten that they can call 24 hours a day basically to get anything done that's just what it's like to be rich in america especially in the banking world thank you for your attention to this matter sincerely jp morgan chase there's not even an assigned person to this letter it's just the bank sent this letter it's it's, it's stupid so, 
November 21st, and I found it interesting that it said that please stop doing business with this account at least five business days before. You don't realize when a person of color or a homeless person or someone who is not as rich as Mr. West here um, gets unbanked. They don't get afforded that, hey, we're going to give you 30 days um, to get your shit together and then you have five business days before we close it out to get your last transaction done. Now, they block people's cards, they block people's checks, they don't pay things, shit gets bounced back, and you're basically stuck for at least 30 days, maybe upwards of 90 to 120 days before you get your money back, and you're just basically in limbo. I've seen customers have to borrow money from family because the bank, even though they broke up with you, isn't willing to give you the money right away. And it's ridiculous, I understand that, and I understand why people are mad, but... Dear God, like this is frustrating to, to have to deal with. And I dealt with this on a very regular basis. I had customers from Iran. I had customers from Iraq. I had customers, uh, foreign students from China, um, you know, that got unbanked like this. Homeless people. I was next to a homeless shelter, poor people, habitual overdrafters. You know, there's people who got into bad relationships. And the person who was also on their account basically stole all their money, was writing bad checks all over town. And the victim in that, which was a person on the account, has to has to be the one to bear the brunt of that. And it's frustrating. Not everyone is created equal, but Kanye is getting a full month and three days at the time of this podcast. Uh, and, and the benefit of five business days before to continue using his debit card, using his online banking, using payroll services and, and everything like that. That is it's a lot. It's ridiculous. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, why do banks do that? This is ridiculous. You know, this person was banking here and the bank has no right to close the account out without a reason or whatever. And there is this person on social media, his name is Cat Turd. I guess they do a podcast. I, I can give a shit less about that person, but they were calling banks communists for closing them out uh, without notification. Never. And I'm like, dude, this happens all the time. And, you know, calling them commie banks. And I'm like, yeah, communist banks. Because the whole point of communism is to have everyone equal and everyone together and all that stuff. And um, banks aren't like that. It's the total opposite of communism, in my personal opinion. Um, but I didn't want to acknowledge that person, nor did I talk to that person about their account closure. Because they were so just gross about it. And, yeah, you know what? All negative conversation about banks is a good thing, in my personal opinion. Especially for someone who... Um, knows how bad these banks treat people but there's more to it than that first of all the banks tell you in their deposit agreement that they have every right to close your bank account out with you know proper notification which they did here they gave them a letter uh, but they don't have to give you a reason it's in the it's in the deposit agreement it's you know americans desire to want to know what's going on i'm gonna know it all i want to know everything too but whenever you see the deposit agreement you read those things you don't realize that they don't give a shit about you. They're basically telling you, you're going to do what we say or otherwise, um, hey, we're going to just kick you out. We, we don't have to necessarily give you your money back right away. You know, it's it's the same type of people who go, well, I deposited $10,000 cash. Why can't I withdraw the same amount of cash a week later? Because that money is probably in a vault somewhere. They don't keep it on hand for you. They don't put a rubber band around your money and put, hey, this is James's money. Just keep it here for whenever he wants it. It doesn't work that way. So it's it's okay to be mad at banks, but understand why you're being mad at the bank. Whenever they said that there was no official reason given, it allows people to speculate like the Candace Owenses and all these people of the world that, oh, it's because of what he said about Jewish people and all Jewish people run banks. and all. It's it's stupid. It's a stupid conversation to have. And, and, and the fact that people still talk about that is just so tired and old. It's ridiculous. Um... But I think the problem with banks saying that they don't have to give you a reason pretty much opens it up for speculation as to why it is. And that just creates more tension, more drama. So I, I, I don't I don't know where to go from here with, with this topic of conversation. But all I know is, you know, he's he's unbanked now and he's filling the, the reason why I do what I do. I mean, if Kanye West was Kanye West... uh you know, minimum wage worker at a restaurant over here in town somewhere, I would do the same thing for him and say, hey, okay, we understand that the bank closed out your account. There's nothing that I can do from my perspective. You know, I'm just a banker. I'm not the person who makes these decisions, but I can help you get your money faster. 
And I think what's happening behind the scenes is probably Kanye's just trying to find a way to get set up at another bank and to move his shit there ASAP. That way he can leave Chase once and for all. So it's basically hard to, to see a positive here. Uh, the conversation is just all red meat. The conversation is just, oh, look what happened to this guy. It's ridiculous, and this is why banks are bad. No, banks are bad for a lot of other reasons, okay? This one is bad. Yes, I agree. I sympathize with the fact that he's getting deplatformed from a bank because um, it's a pain in the ass. Whether it's paying 100 employees or paying the Netflix bill, whenever something doesn't go right with your processing on your account, it just creates more drama, possibly more fees and more tension at that point. And then it says, you know, on the letter, it says, after that date, the bank will close any open accounts and after any deduction of any permissible service charges and pending transactions. And I know what a lot of you are probably thinking. Why is Kanye West paying a monthly fee for his bank account? Well, it's a good question. So if you're poor, you're probably paying for banking. If you don't have a direct deposit or if you don't have $1,500 in your account, and most banks are likely paying a monthly fee, as little as $4 a month at B of A with the safe balance account, to $20 a month if you're in the wrong account. Then you have like the middle of the road people, people who have direct deposit, people who have at least a little savings in there just in case something happens. Those people rarely pay a fee. And I'll defend banks on this, okay? Yes, bankers um, you know, oversell accounts. Bankers don't necessarily tell you all the pros and cons with what's going on with your checking accounts. But the majority of bank customers do have a path to avoiding fees. I will say that. Do all of them um, follow that path? No, and that's mostly the banker's fault for not asking the correct questions and leaving it up to the consumers to assume that they can figure it out themselves. That's just not the way that I roll and that's just not the way that it works. When you're a little rich, let's say you have, I don't know, $100,000 or more in your bank accounts, um, you fall into you know rewards programs, preferred programs at banks, and typically those preferred programs will tie several free accounts for you without any minimum balances. So if you wanted to save, have a little savings account for your vacations, or you want to have a little savings account to save up for a car, or a checking account for your kids, whatever, all these things would be free because of the quote relationship you have, and relationship means money at that point. Then you get to the really like uber rich companies, like the ones that have tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars going in and out all the time. And I'm sure Yeezy LLC, Kanye West has that very thing going on. Whenever you pay a lot of money, um, or let me just rephrase that, whenever you have a lot of money in a bank account that big and you have assigned bankers, you have people who are there to talk about investments, you have people to talk about wires, you have people that talk about commercial lines of credit, all that bullshit. There's all these little applicable service fees that happen to those really wealthy clients. So you end up paying hundreds, if not thousands of dollars a year just to bank. you know, And, and that's the way it goes for these things. It's the cost of doing business. And whenever I used to sell little small savings accounts to small-time like restaurants or stores, and they would complain about a $13 fee, I was like, well, you got to factor in a monthly fee as the cost of doing business, just like your rent, just like your electric bill, whatever. And I wasn't genuine about that because I discussed with them that there would be a fee based on what I knew about their business. It's just that they weren't having that. And that's a conversation they need to have amongst themselves before they make a decision to go to a bank. But once you get to be in the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, it doesn't matter if you have to pay $100 a month for an account. It's important that you have that trust with the bank and I'm assuming Yeezy LLC had that trust until somehow it got inevitably broken. So as I mentioned, there's a lot going on, a lot of money at stake here. We'll see what bank comes for Kanye, because I guarantee you, since he announced kind of through Owens here that he got debanked or unbanked, if you will, from Chase Bank, I'm sure he's going to announce what bank takes his side. And the funny thing is, if it's a big bank like a B of A or a Wells Fargo, are they going to publicly acknowledge it? Are they going to downplay it? And how will con consumers feel if, let's just say, Kanye ends up at Bank of America full-time? Will these same idiots who are talking about, you know, banks are communists or whatever, fall in love with Bank of America because they have one of, quote, their people there? I wouldn't. And I think you are showing how naive you are 
if you just make the decision to like or hate a bank simply based on one famous person making that decision for themselves. So there's a lot going on. I'm sure we're going to talk about it some more. Um, but I found it interesting that, like I said, one of the richest people in the world just got unbanked by the biggest bank in the world. And that tells you that not everything is worth making money to these banks. It's all about making it the way that they want. And at this point, they didn't want yay. I'm going to talk about crime in bank branch areas right after this. So please stick around. James Baca, known professionally as a Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on TikTok. My TikTok channel is at Notorious Banker. Join the more than 20,000 amazing followers on my channel as I talk about bank topics and give you a little humor and information in the meantime. Um, being a 13-year former associate of a bank, I can tell you a lot of stories that happen, and I do tell you a lot of stories that are um, a little weird, a little bizarre, a little vulgar on that TikTok channel and I also give you information about which banks to avoid. I talk about bank news of the day and I interact with a lot of people and I answer questions for my followers um, in the comments. It's something that I'm really proud of. We got over half a million likes on this channel already and you know there's there's some videos that have gotten over a million views and I'm really proud of that. It goes to show you that a lot of people love talking about banks. A lot of people love talking about their money and a lot of people love talking about how crappy those banks can be. So follow my TikTok channel at Notorious Banker and join the more than 20,000 followers who are ready to and have some fun with me, yours truly, the Notorious Banker. All right, and I'm back with more Notorious Banker. So, you know, there's a lot going on with crime and bank locations. You know, I used to go to Vegas a lot and there was this one particular ATM for B of A on Spring Mountain Road, I believe it is. It's it's part of Chinatown in Vegas. And there was always a shooting, a stabbing. There was always old people getting mugged. One person got seriously injured because of an ATM robbery. And, you know, it was something that always caught my eye even before I left Bank of America, even before I left banking. Um, we had our bank branch on the corner of Amador and Alameda in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which if you've ever been here or if you live here, you realize it's not necessarily the most affluent part of town. And, you know, I I don't want to associate one with the other. But yes, there is a lot of homeless shelters, homeless people in the area. There's a lot of people down on their luck, let's just say. It's kind of industrial. There's a train track there. And there's no real businesses of no. There's not a lot of restaurants or stuff like that in that general vicinity. So at night, this big old building is—it's huge. It's a huge bank branch. You would—you would think that a B of A branch would be probably like a fourth of the size nowadays, and it's probably right. We had four lanes of drive-through, two ATM lanes, and this huge, expansive drive-through area that wasn't always illuminated, and sometimes the lights weren't on at all there and it made it pitch black so at night going to the ATM was kind of a scary thing even for me and I knew the area and funny enough ever since we left that particular branch over four years ago those lights are like on all the time at night it's funny that they never turn off even though there's no ATMs there there's no bank branch there it's just it's weird but you know you would be scared and whenever you would leave the branch there's a little ATM that's just right outside the door but it's not popping out. It's not like a, a zit or a pimple popping off of someone's skin. It's kind of entrenched in this little like area, this little like cubby hole area within the building. So whenever you walk in there, there's no door, there's no gate or anything. Um, if someone wanted to corner you and rob you, they can sneak up from the other side and they can basically block your path and you're stuck in that little ATM corridor while they rob, kill, or do whatever to you. I mean, this is the reality that I lived in. And it was part of our security checkpoint to make sure that that area was clear before we walked out at the end of the day. You know, as a big, strong guy, yes, I understand. I could probably beat someone up, but I'm not going to fight someone with a gun. Let's just put it that way. So, you know, security is always big with banks. I'm not going to lie to you and say that banks don't give a shit about associate security. I, I think it's the total opposite. I think they're a little too secure with them because you're know, like, well, if I see 
you know, someone tying their shoes twice in the same week on the street as I'm opening the bank, I'm going to call corporate security because that might be a robber. Yeah, it could be, or it could be just some guy tying his shoes. You know, you, you don't know. These things just kind of happen just by chance sometimes. You got to make that call, and sometimes people don't make the right calls, and sometimes it kind of just trivializes the whole security experience. But I want to say that at my time at Bank of America, I'm not giving you a fucking gold star or anything. Um, they were pretty good about security. They made sure that we had our handheld alarms in case something happened. They made sure to tell us what to do in the event of getting kidnapped or robbery or whatever. I think they're really good at that. So I'm going to leave it at that. that the reason why I said no gold stars is because I really think that while that security comfort feeling is you know surrounding the associates at these branches i really think that it's lacking for consumer customers of these places for various reasons which i will get into here because there are two news stories that happened in the state of california this weekend both of them at bank of america branches and both of them involve things that could be avoided i'm just going to say it that way they could be avoided so i'll get to those right now Dateline Palmdale, California, where um, some knuckleheads tried to blow up a Bank of America ATM there and didn't get any cash. This is from ABC7 in Los Angeles. Someone blew up an ATM in Palmdale, but apparently was unable to get any of the cash inside, officials say. The L.A. County Sheriff's Department said bomb techs responded to the 5,000 block of West Avenue North in Palmdale around 5.30 a.m. on Sunday. They discovered a Bank of America machine that had been blown apart by an explosive device Pieces and, debris, pieces and debris scattered around the area. None of the cash inside of the machine was accessed, according to the Sheriff's Special Enforcement Bureau. No description of a suspect was immediately available, and no injuries are reported. An investigation is ongoing. And they have the footage, too. I guarantee you Bank of America's corporate security has the footage of that happening. And then there's a tweet that's attached to this news story with a couple of pictures of the blown-up ATM. And there's a couple of things to note. It has a brand new framing with the new logo. Um, it has a, we're sorry, this machine is unavailable screen from two logos ago, like the all red and white that Bank of America had for the longest time. They still have it on their debit cards. And you see some noticeable just, you know, char, you know, some burned stuff on the ground on both the front of the safe, which is still 100% intact, by the way. And, you know, some of the facade of the ATM was blown off, and there's some kind of scorch marks there as well. So, you know, it's interesting to see that. And the fact that no money was taken is hilarious, because the first thing that I thought of was how much money did they spend building a bomb that wasn't successful enough to blow up this ATM that has a quarter of a million dollars potentially in it. Um, but I think I find it funny that they go after Bank of America ATMs, because as we all know, Bank of America is the actual proprietor of uh, bank unemployment debit cards in the state of California. And throughout the course of the pandemic, and I've talked about this a million times in this podcast and been interviewed a dozen times about this, Bank of America closed branches. Bank of America made ATMs unavailable during times when people would get paid with um, the pandemic unemployment, making it nearly impossible to get cash out of those ATMs. So the funny fact that Someone tried to blow up an ATM um, at Bank of America. It's hilarious to me because it seems like the money was never in those ATMs to begin with a couple of years ago. Anyway, that's more of a thing that I find funny than most people, but it's it's serious business, man. It's serious business that millions of people had unemployment in California and couldn't access the money that they got approved for because the bank said, oh, their ATMs are temporarily unavailable. While they were unavailable a lot of the times because they didn't have cash, the very fact that you actually are the purveyor of these debit cards for unemployment means you should have the data to know how much money that you'll need to kind of cover the costs of everyone potentially wanting cash. So the fact that they didn't do that tells me one thing, that they didn't want to do it because they didn't want to spend the money. They got into that thing to show that they're going to help customers and to be you know part of the team, part of the community. But in reality, it's just like one of those you know charitable causes that celebrities you know, take up. They don't really care about the cause. They just want to be seen. And I think that's what Bank of America did. They wanted to be the unemployment bank in California, the biggest state in the union. And whenever the shit hit the fan and millions of people went on unemployment, they're like, oh, you know, these ATMs, I got to tell you, they're always out of service. We regret the inconvenience. Yeah, sure, you did it yourself. So no money was taken. 
It happened at 4.05 a.m., but the cops didn't show up till 5.30, so it tells you how not urgent it was. I'm sure someone called it in saying, hey, I went to the ATM, and it looks like someone tried to blew it up, and they called probably just to make sure they get the scent off of them because they don't want to be the ones held responsible for trying to blow up this ATM. Um, it's, it's interesting to me. And then there was a story that happened yesterday. KTLA in L.A. also reported one shot during robbery robbery attempt involving armored vehicle outside Bank of America in Carson. And it says one person was shot Monday morning. By the way, I'm going to link to all this in the show notes. One person was shot Monday morning during an attempted robbery involving an armored vehicle outside of Bank of America in Carson, authorities said. The incident was reported at 11.30 a.m. at the bank on the 23800 block of Vermont Avenue. Deputies from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department found a victim down in the parking lot and an armored vehicle surrounded by bullet casings. Armored vehicle, bullet casings, another stupid criminal, I'm just saying. The victim was taken to a hospital with injuries that were described as not life-threatening. Well, thank God for that. The suspected shooter apparently drove away from the area and was last seen heading towards Sepulveda Boulevard. Authorities have no description of the vehicle or the assailant. Sheriff's officials confirmed that the armored vehicle was involved in the attempted robbery and did not release further details about the incident. The parking lot of the bank was blocked off amid the investigation. Aerial view from SkyFi showed. Well, I feel bad for the bankers and to be kind of minorly joking here because if the parking lot was blocked off because it's police investigation, that means they couldn't sell, they couldn't open accounts, and I'm sure they got chewed out by their boss for something that was not their fault. Secondly, while it's horrible that this armored car driver employee got, you know, wounded in this attempt, you got to realize one thing, and it's something I've been talking about a lot in this project. Banks are cutting costs left and right. Whenever I left Bank of America, we went from um, having the couriers, the armored car people at the final stage of my career at Bank of America, going once a week to pick up, pick up our night deposit bags you know, businesses drop these bags with their deposits at night, you know, restaurants and whatnot, and then, you know, bankers count them in the morning. Well, we had we have to process those bags. We never open them. That goes to the main vault to get processed in a different way. We just take the little receipt out, we print out a receipt, and we get that ready. But what happens is the, the money goes elsewhere. So these armored cars already have millions of dollars in there, possibly, plus hundreds of pounds of these cash bags from restaurants, hotels, and whatnot of deposits. So there's always millions of dollars going in and out. They make these stops where they leave the armored car idling, and then it's usually two or three people. One or two of them get down, and they actually go in and say, hey, we're here to pick up the bags. And then a B of A or bank employee and another employee, because it's always dual custody, get their respective keys, open the vault or wherever they're at, and they count them off to the associate. And, you know, there's a piece of paper that's filed for retention. It's a really official, proper thing, but it does take five minutes, sometimes longer if we get stuck with customers. And, you know, armored car people don't like that. But even to the biggest idiot in the world, the one thing you can notice about, especially B of A, because I work there, B of A armored car deliveries, is they come at the same time, always in the same time of week. So what does that mean? It means that someone who is wanting to case the joint can actually look very easily to see what's going on with the armored car and when they go and what do they need to do to neutralize the person from shooting them in the event of the robbery. And at my bank, the armored car people always parked near the front door, which meant that the customers always had to walk around the armored car, which to me was a big security thing. Because you're putting all these people at risk of potentially getting shot from an armed robbery. So I always thought, why don't armored cars have their own designated spot? I know it's kind of weird. But they need to be able to escape if they're getting attacked or something. And they need to be able to have good line of sight and away from customers who are going to be just kind of in the crosshairs, in the crossfire, so to speak. So like I said, you know, and I, and I say it not to be an asshole or to give people tips on how to commit crimes but all i gotta say is it's really easy to understand how the armored car routine goes so if someone wanted to theoretically still they absolutely could and it's a bummer it sucks that i have to say it that out loud but i really do believe that the bank's decisions that they make when it comes to courier service ordering money the limitations of how often that happens 
actually puts it more at risk because the less amount of times that you're there and the more amount of times that it's on a fixed date that tells me those people pay attention. I'm a former manager. I pay attention to all the different things that happen at grocery stores and restaurants and whatever just because I want to be observant the way that a good manager does. But the average person who has any responsibility at their job can see, okay, armored car always comes Monday at 1130. They always park right here. This person gets out of this door. They go around to open the big door to get the big amount of money. This person's the lookout, but he can't see because the line of sight is blockaded from this to that. There's people who can draw up diagrams to rob that fucking thing like immediately, and it's scary stuff. It's terrifying. And yes, the armor card people are like Gardia and Loomis Fargo and all that. They aren't the bank, so you know I'm not gonna shit on them because of something that a, a bank made, a decision that was made by the bank to limit how many times those places can go. But at the same time, whenever there's less amount of places to go, that typically means that you're probably going to have just one run of a shit ton of money if you're one of those armored cars. So you're putting yourself more at risk because of how you have to get just through the day, sending all these you know packages of cash out, bringing some in, and it gets tiring after a six, seven, eight hour day. So why wouldn't it be impossible for someone to just kind of take advantage of those weary armored car workers and try to ransack their truck. I mean, it's definitely a possibility. There's there's no doubt in my mind about that. Period. End of story. But you know, the reason why I share these stories is what I've been talking about all the time. It's the increasingly lack of effort that big banks put on the in-branch experience. Yes, it's okay to be digital, all digital, to use ATMs, to use online banking. As much as they cause issues on their own, I think those are beneficial tools to have in lieu of a branch service. But they don't outright replace, you know, the way that people want to do banking. So, you know, how does the armored car impact that? Well, people carry less cash in the bank. You know, banks carry less cash on hand because they order less and they ship out more. And there's a less amount of money in the bank on any given time. So basically, the in-branch experience is impacted because if someone wants to take out $20,000 in cash, there's going to be a banker that's going to find some way to make sure that that person does not get that amount of cash at their location. That's just the way that it goes. So it's, it's impacting that experience. For someone who wants to just take $50 out and maybe do it in all ones or something, um, people are convincing customers to go to the ATM to take that out they said, hey, you can go take out that $50 at the at the ATM and then come back in and get it exchanged for ones if you want. Knowing damn well that the long line to get $50, which has already taken several minutes inside the branch, is going to be twice as long in a few minutes once that person is done at the ATM. And they're likely not going to want to stand in line to get 50 ones. So you're going to have upset customers in that way. It's pushing people out of the bank. So whenever you make them or you force them to make decisions for how they want to bank and they go to let's always say an ATM at 3:30 in the morning and they're witness to this person trying to blow up an ATM or if they go outside of the bank to the ATM at 11 o'clock in the morning on a bank day on an actual day where the bank is open and they see the armored car there and then they're caught in the crossfire of a shooting because of the strategic or not strategic ways that banks ordered these armored car drivers to go to their branches one time a week instead of a near daily process like it used to, then it puts customers at risk in many ways, both physically and, you know, of course, being unbanked or underserved as well. So, you know, it's it's weird to just kind of just say, hey, I'm going to put this all on branch banking for being responsible for these things. I'm not saying that the criminals are responsible for that, but the banks have not helped in protecting their customers, protecting their asset, which are the customers, which means that the customers that bring a lot of money in. So what what am I saying here? I'm saying that if, if banks truly want to go, not necessarily branchless, but they want to go tellerless, they want to go cashless inside, and they just want to have cash access available at ATMs only and they're outside of the bank, um, you got to enhance that experience. And what I mean is, you know, I've been hearing about these robbery stories for years and years and years now. And I think it's only going to get worse as time goes on because the more people that are showing up 
outside of the bank to do their transactions at an ATM and how fucking slow those ATMs are, especially at Bank of America. Jesus Christ, they're the slowest ATMs on God's green earth. You're making people stand out, you know, in front of an ATM longer or in their car longer, which leaves them susceptible to, to a crime being committed on there on them and and i think that's worrisome right there so what are you doing to enhance that experience well making the atm faster is key okay these atms run on a computer that i wouldn't fucking have in my house because it's so slow to be able to better the experience and there's goddamn self-checkout machines at grocery stores that have a better user interface than these atms do find a way to get people even fast cash in less than 30 seconds Keeping them at the ATM for several minutes at a time, and it does take several minutes at a time to both withdraw money from one card and deposit it into another account, which I do every week when I donate plasma. So it's an experience that takes several minutes, and my wife and I talk about it all the time as it's happening, and it's ridiculous. We feel that there could be a better way, and there's not. But for people who are there late at night, they're putting themselves more at risk because these ATMs are going so slow. So improving the ATMs is one thing. And then what are you going to do about the armored car thing? That's a good question. I don't know. Since banks don't obviously want to spend the money on getting these armored car services several days a week, you know, keeping the arm, armored, guard, armored car guards at risk is something that's just going to probably just happen all the time because their routine is going to be based on what the banks want and not every single institution is going to want to add dates that they're going to be able to pick up and ship out money. It's just not the way that it's working these days. So I don't know what you do about that. Um, but basically, investing in the things and the tools that you want to help your customers is important. So the one thing that I've learned working at Bank of America was whenever there was an incident that happened at an ATM, let's say a robbery happened, okay, and then the victim goes to the bank and says, hey, well, I got robbed and I filed a police report and the police really want to see that video. I've seen Bank of America Associates go, well, you know, we don't release video to individuals. We're going to need a subpoena. We're going to need something in paper from the court that says we need to release this video. I'm like, fuckers, a crime happened on your customer and you're being dick faces about the video. You can help stop future crimes if you just release the video. And banks don't do that. Banks make it increasingly hard to get video, surveillance video, of a crime being committed. Well, of course, when there's a bank robbery and money is taken from the bank, you can't see the fucking you know, video footage fast enough on the news. Because that's not a robbery of that individual that got robbed at the ATM. No, robbing the bank means you stole from the bank and the bank is insistent that you have to pay for your crimes so they're going to put the video on the news and say look for this six foot two african-american man this six foot three white man who was um who pointed a gun at a teller and demanded cash you need to invest in security systems you need to invest in multiple cameras cameras are fucking cheap nowadays invest in several cameras per atm catching it from all angles getting license plate numbers as they drive up to the atms and the drive up atms why not why not? You know, for privacy reasons, you don't do that? No, fuck that. You break your privacy reasons all the time. You protect your customers. Okay, hiring one security guard, even if it's a Barney Five looking guard, may deter crime. Just having him stand out there eight hours a day, $20 an hour, is $160 a day. And he's ensuring what? To make sure that there's no robberies happen, no weird people hanging around the ATMs. Two... Maybe he's tied into the fact that the ATMs will be out of service. Maybe he gets an alert saying, hey, ATM number two isn't working. And he can call Diebold. He can call the people who repair those things or call the bank and say, hey, fix this because it seems like you're creating a bit of an impact here for your customers because this ATM isn't working and um, it's causing a line. Finding simple things like that is not hard, okay? Spending... 10 million dollars to protect your customers to protect the armored car guards whenever they go to your bank should not be a big decision for a big bank that should be the cost of doing business i said that earlier in this podcast the cost of doing business is you know what making sure that your customers are safe that way they enjoy the experience that way hey guess what they may want to do more business with you in the future banks don't see it that way though banks see it as a well 
the crime happened outside of the four walls of the bank, so you got to notify the police because you know it didn't. It happened on our property, but we weren't directly you know involved in the in the interaction. That's the way that it goes with these with these banks, and it's ridiculous, and it's got to stop. It's got to stop. I highlighted these two things in California because they are security issues at banks in two different forms that do impact customers. Because what's going to happen if people continue to blow up ATMs and people try to rob armored car services is Bank of America is going to use that as a citation to close down these locations, pull out ATMs, and to make sure that there's not cash on hand in financial centers. To mitigate risk, we no longer offer cash in our financial centers, effectively January 1st. We only allow cash services through our automated teller machine. We regret the inconvenience. That's the reality that we're going to be living in. That's the reality we're going to be living in because banks are allowed to do what they want. And we don't, maybe we're just too stupid to realize what's happening as it's happening. But banks have this issue going on where customers are not feeling safe online. They're not feeling safe at the ATM. They're not feeling safe with their debit card information on file for many merchants. I mean, this is the reality that we live in, the reality that we have. And customers are having to grin and bear it for now. But all I can say is there really definitely has to be change because I shouldn't be getting these news stories on Twitter saying someone was hurt because this happened or that happened or an act of violence happened in the branch. Something that could have been avoided with just a simple fucking security guard, which could have been avoided by the simple fact that you had more cameras. If there's no suspects that are going to be identified from the bombing, well, what the fuck's the point of having even just one camera DTM if you're not going to do your due diligence trying to figure out who the hell that person is? I want to be on top of the keeping customers secure bandwagon, but you know what? Bank of America should be one driving that bandwagon. Chase should be. Wells Fargo should be. They should want to be error-free, issue-free. That way, as Americans, they can continue to make the craziest amounts of fucking money you can't believe and allow their customers to kind of thrive as well. If they're not doing that, then what's the point of banks? My name is James Vaca, known professionally as The Notorious Banker, and I invite you to go to thenotoriousbanker.com for more information about my project, including all the links to my books, my social media accounts, and much, much more. You can donate to this podcast by going on Cash App, The Notorious Banker, all one word, or Venmo, The Notorious Banker, all one word. I don't accept Zelle, my apologies. But if you want to make a PayPal donation, just contact me on Twitter and I'll show you how to do that. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. I highly recommend subscribing to my YouTube channel and my TikTok account for more unique content. I'm going to have a book about Zell coming out in the not-too-distant future. We'll talk more about that in the next podcast, I am sure. But of course, I am the author of High Risk Transaction, the Ryan Coogler Bank of America incident, which highlights Ryan Coogler's near arrest for bank robbery at an Atlanta-area Bank of America when he was just trying to get some money. With the new Black Panther movie coming out in about a month, I know that that shit's going to blow up. I recommend you check out my book. It's, it's a really low price right now. Until we meet again, my friends, my name is James Bach, a known professionalized notorious banker, signing off. I'll be back in a few days or as breaking news warrants, but I really thank you for listening to my podcast, and you have yourself a great day.